This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's now time for local poetry and discussion on Beyond Rhyme. show that's been going for a couple of years, a community-based show where we get local poets and writers onto the show to share their wisdom and imagination, and it's a great show, and we hope you listen with us today. Got a guest today, Peter, who's um, with us today, so Peter, tell us a bit about yourself. Welcome, Camilla. Thank you, and welcome, Peter. Thank you very much. All right, I'm very pleased to be on the show. <clears throat> My voice is a little bit raspy today, so I hope you can bear with that. Uh, a little about myself. I am uh, married with five daughters. Wow. I have uh, worked in education for some 50 years, uh, now retired. I um, worked in primary school, secondary school, community education, and ESOL. So that's uh, basically where I'm coming from with the writing. Did you still have hand-me-downs for your daughters as the older ones got older? <laughs> did you used to pass down all the clothes? <laughs> no, that's, that, that's why I'm poor. They all got their own, they've all got their own tastes. Well, they'll love you forever for that, though. Yeah, yeah they're all doing well. I've got uh, one, the eldest daughter is a teacher in uh, Auckland, in uh, Point View School. The second eldest is a uh, first responder in the Whangarei area. Mm-hmm. And the third daughter is com- has just completed her doctorate in microbiology. So she's my reference for any bugs going around. And oh, wow. the other two are at Canterbury University doing masters. Wow. Oh goodness, they are doing well. Another reason why I'm poor. <laughs> so you, you told me before we went on air that you actually local schools have your books as a resource to use in their classes uh, yes yes I market the, the books to council libraries and schools and um, occasionally I get invited to schools to work with uh, kids usually around intermediate age on the writing process. So I, I quite enjoy that, getting back into the classroom and, and working with young folk. What level uh, of schooling is it? Is it um, what you call primary school or intermediate school? Or Yeah, that, that level. Most of the books I write are for uh, that middle middle primary to upper primary level. Although, do, you think uh, it means, do you think it means that you're in touch with your inner child, being able to write children's books? Ah oh, yes, yes. They say you can age, but you stay immature forever. That's probably <laughs> there's probably a little boy in me there. Camilla, have yes. you got some questions? I just uh, your your background is so interesting. So you you range from education, and you've got the ESO experience as well. Hence the 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 great 
teen in Portuguese, right? Your <laughs> experience with that, with some um, Portuguese speaking people coming to his soul, is that right? Uh, I taught initially for three years in Napier and a year in Rotorua, and then I went to Europe, mm -hmm. two years in England. I did an ESOL course. I taught six months in Oporto, in Porto, in Portugal. Oh, wow. And uh, three years in Finland, and then time in Germany, and uh, uh, where are Spain, and Good. finally back to England. And um, when you write in your, your stories, you know, your, your children's stories, do you manage or do you try to incorporate all this, this you know, vast experience that you had overseas, you know, and from your background, do you manage to do that? Yes, I think um, the ESOL has helped me a lot because yeah. when, you're, <clears throat> when you're teaching um, a language to, to students or other languages, you have to deconstruct the language and do the micro teaching and then reconstruct the language so they can put it together a bit. Uh, wow. you would, you'd probably know that. So yes, the ESOL has definitely helped me with the writing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I never thought of the process like that, but I think you're right. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a breaking down and then the yeah. again with a different, you know, with the different grammatical system of each language. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first word I learned in Portuguese, yes. um, what apart from, apart from greetings, was uh, sugar umbrella, because I was in. I was in Can Porto. you say that again? Can you say that again? I, I said one of the first words I learned in. No, Portuguese. no, 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 just a word. I just want to hear the word. Oh. The pronunciation is so beautiful. Wadashuva. Wadashuva. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Lovely. It rained, it rained so much in uh, Porto <laughs> for three months that the rain attacked from all sides. Yeah. From, yeah. from the, off the gutterings and, and in the puddles. And I had to go and buy an umbrella very quickly. Yeah. Oh, the, how, how cool. How cool. Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome word to start with because we've got like all this different sound, you know, the R of Guadalajara can be quite challenging, I think, for in the beginning, but you say it beautifully. Thank you. Lovely. It's a long time since I said anything in Portuguese, so it's good yeah. to know. There's a little bit, a vestige of it there still. Yeah, no, definitely still there. Okay, so are we ready to start with some? Would you be happy to share some of your stories now? Would you like sure. to? Yeah. Um, I will do that. Mm -hmm. I find that... Uh, when I was teaching, I had well, one year, I had a group of boys about 11 and 12 years old, yeah. and they were of the opinion, we don't read, we don't write, and you can't make us. So there was a challenge. So we did 45 minutes um, writing each day, which was a bit like pulling teeth initially. <laughs> yeah to get even a couple of words on paper for some boys was a real challenge. But after some months, we started to get some boys who found their voice. And I found the, the way to go about it was to try and use humor. Boys would rather be outside, or many boys would rather be outside kicking a ball around than in class 
reading or writing. So with humor, they tended to be attracted to it. So that's what I put in my books, uh, especially targeting boys. So this particular one is called The Lepidile. Can you see that? Yes, yes, you can. Yeah, I love the illustration as well. Ah, uh, yes, unfortunately. Straight away. Um, I can't Straight draw. Away. <laughs> so, yeah, I have an illustrator, uh, Richard Gunther, who's done all my books. So yes. I shall read this to you. The Lepidile. At dinner last night, we were all very glum. There was stony silence from Dad and Mum. I bravely said, is everything okay? Son said, Dad, it's happening each day. There are burglars about stealing our stuff. The neighbors are scared. It's getting too rough. And we really can't afford to leave the area, even though it's getting scarier and scarier. We thought and we thought about what to do. Burglar alarms and floodlights too. Then Johnny suggested electric fences, but dad said no, too many expenses. What about a dog with a growly bark? That'd scare burglars away in the dark. Dad smiled and said, good thinking, my son. After work tomorrow, I'll go and get one. <laughs> when dad came home, we ran to the gate <clears throat> to see what it was tied up in a crate. From the back of the ute, he let it out by a chain with the end around its snout. <sighs> what is it? We asked in total surprise as we gawked at the thing before our eyes. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. This was surely the craziest being. Look what I bought, Dad said with a smile, a cross between a leopard and crocodile. It can hide on a branch up in a tree and spring on its victims silently. And its jaws are like clamps when they shut tight. A thief caught in these will get a huge fright. Now out of its cage at night it roams free and prowls the grounds restlessly. Then one dark evening, a thief skulked round and tiptoed stealthily across the ground, looking for something of value to steal. All of a sudden, he let out a squeal, for the creature had leapt upon him, you see, and snapped off his legs just under the knee, half an arm, a thigh, and a foot or two. It's good to have something crunchy to chew. <laughs> well, that's very good. That's oh, very good. I, I couldn't I do that myself. In the morning, we found a bone or two, bits of clothing and an old sand shoe. A fat, contented lepidile slept in the grass with a satisfied smile. I always thought we'd get a dog, a talking parrot, or even a frog. I never dreamt of a lepidile. Still, I hope it'll stay a while, for it's cut the crime rate down to zero, and our neighbours all think Dad's a hero. The burglars are gone. The thieves have fled. Every night we sleep safely in bed. Some days we talk, we take a walk in the street, and the neighbours wave out to us and greet, welcoming us with a thankful smile. But they never try to pat our lepidile. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You wanna... Congratulations. Yeah. Now, thank you. That came about <coughs> when I was sitting in the lounge doing a, a crossword puzzle. And the clue was uh, a cross between a tiger and a lion. And while I was thinking about that, 
there was um, the TV news on in the background and it had a report about a spate of burglaries. So I sort of put the ideas together and I thought, yeah, that'd be a good story. <laughs> uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's so, so good to hear. It's so easy to, to, you know, it captivates you with not, a, not just with the rhyming, but the story flows so well. And I can see, you know, boys relating to that, you know, boys and girls engaging with that. And I think more importantly, being keen to read more and to yes. give it a and give it a try at writing as well, because that's what the rhyming does, doesn't it? Yeah, the boys like to see the illustrations with a bit of blood on them as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Helen? So to piece all that together, do you, do you do it in parts or do you just write it all in one go? Or how do you, do you have to study things or how do you go about writing something like that? Well, all of the above, I guess. Um, <clears throat> usually I get an idea. They seem to attack me about 2 a.m. in the morning. Ah. And I, I, I write freely initially. So I'll just get down the ideas. Um, I'll let it sit for a while maybe sometimes um, a few months, but mostly I, I can write them quite quickly. And um, then it's a matter of going back and, and doing the, what they, I call a crafting, you know, changing the word order or changing the word or reorganizing. Um, and then if I'm satisfied with that, I will do the editing. After that, I usually send the draft to the illustrator this is a little bit complicated because he works on an art program, which I don't have. So he will do, I, I give him free reign. He'll do the illustration and send it back to me. And I'll decide whether it's uh, what I want. Usually he comes up with better ideas than I could have. Um, about, even about the wording and about the, like the, the, the plot? Yeah, well, no, just the illustration. But uh, oh, sorry, my, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he'll come up with a, a an idea for an illustration for. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's better than I would have illustrated. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, <coughs> sometimes I ask. It, sometimes I ask him to change it if it doesn't fit the text. Yeah. Um, He's for the boss. For instance, there was one poem there where the girl was wearing a blue dress and I came back with a red dress and I said, well, that doesn't actually match the text. Now, some kid would say, oh, look, you know, it's supposed to be a red dress, but it's a blue dress or vice versa. So we, we talk about that and then we put it together. <clears throat> the problem is with the editing is that I can't alter anything on his art program so he's got the illustrations and text on his program so when I when I edit it and I find okay there's a speech mark missing then I have to email him, oh, him no. and get him to change it and then when yeah. he emails me back I have to check that he's done it <laughs> but in those, those we, do, we do have face-to-face uh, -face meetings from time to time and we can go through those things okay. Wow. We're on a bit of a roll, but we'll take a music break. Sure. And Camilla, is this the Rolling Stones? Yes. Yeah, so 
Unfortunately, we heard of, of Charlie Watts passing um, in August. So I chose Street Fighting Men from the album Stripped, which is kind of an acoustic um, version of, of many of their famous songs. That's what this album is like. And uh, it features this song, it specifically features Charlie Watts on the drums. So you can hear really well, you know, he, he is um, quite clear. And uh, it's called Street Fighting Men. Take it away. Yeah. Before we take it away, I'd just like to thank Scorpio Books for their support of our show. They've stood behind us for a, a wee while now in the background supporting us. So thank you. There are 120 Hereford Street, and they said on their webpage that they can only deliver books under level three. So if you haven't received your books yet or level three is there, you'll get your book soon. So take it away with this Rolling Stones hit. <laughs>
to be on Rhyme. We're with Peter, who's very talented at writing children's books. And Camilla and I are privileged to have him in the studio. So, Peter, whereabouts in the house do you write? Do you actually have a special part of the home to write in, or do you write outdoors or indoors? Or? Uh, good question. Yeah, I have a studio here that I'm sitting in at the moment. <clears throat> it's a kind of also room with uh, some some weights and uh, television and a pool table and ironing board and all sorts of things. But I have a desk and I, I do most of my writing here in the summer. In the winter, I prefer to go inside where it's a bit warmer. So, yeah, most of my writing is done there. Some of your rhymes are quite surprising. Like you, do, you don't know how they're going to rhyme, so you've done really well to surprise us along the way with what the rhyme's going to be with various words. Yeah. Right. Uh, rhymes, are, I find, come to me quite easily. What doesn't come to me easily is the, the rhythm. So <clears throat> that's the hard part I really have to work on. Um, yeah, rhymes come. Usually I get these ideas. Well, you get ideas from your experiences or your observations or um, a word comes into your head or a rhyme. Uh, the rhythm is really a hard thing to work on. That's, so that's my challenge. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, the, I just just sharing a little bit of my experience. I I struggle, like especially with English being my second language. I struggle with finding the right rhymes, but the rhythm, especially coming where I come from, the rhythm comes. The rhythm sometimes triggers some of my poems. Right, but the rhyming is that's what I need to find. You know, I'm I'm the opposite. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with Alan. You know, you you rhyme. You, I like the aspect like Alan pointed really well. The surprise that yeah. comes, really don't expect. You know, it's it's really cool, really cool. And um, when when did you first realize that you you could write or that you wanted to write? Okay. Uh yeah, I, I come, storytelling is part of our family. I come from a large family. My mother was the eldest of nine, my father one of seven. So we always had lots of people around and lots of stories being told. So I kind of grew up in that story, joke telling sort of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, and secondly, I think I have a kind of bent for words. I have a friend who's a math teacher and he always thinks in numbers. Everything is about numbers. But for me, it's, it's about words. <clears throat> so I've sort of dabbled in the, in the past with writing poems, not for children, but just personal ones. Um, but <clears throat> when I was teaching this group of boys I mentioned earlier, um, the writing session we had, 45 minutes, part of it was to share at the end share what you've written and I wrote with them and one time I read them a poem and after the session a few boys came to me and said can you publish that can we buy that off you wow. I, thought about, I thought about that later and I thought well maybe there's there's something there so that was called it was my first book and it was called can you see that yes mm -hmm. Ernie's Pimple. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I had I had a group of boys who I have to say were a little bit smelly and so forth. And that, they all? <laughs> that poem fitted with them. <gasps> yeah, they are with that sort of adolescence. Uh, and yeah. A bit sweaty and a bit smelly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that um, Ernie's Pimple was was the first one. It has been quite popular among boys, but I won't read it today because when I read it, I start cringing. It's a little bit in the line along the lines of uh, uh, David Williams or, or Paul Jennings. Those sort of uh, stuff, a little bit, you know, a little bit off. Yeah. So um, that was that was really the first the first one that I put out there, and then I've carried on since then. I think. I'm, long, sorry, I was going to say, how long ago was that when you first published or when you first realized that you could do? Yeah, yeah. So I think over time I've I've um, improved my crafting much better. But yes, I don't really want to go down that line of writing those sorts of stories again. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of so what line would you like to follow now? Um, okay, what I've done is uh, I've done about eighteen books. So three of them are what you'd call graphic novels. I started about two years ago writing stories for little people. So here's a, an example of a, a graphic novel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I'd read books like Treasure Island or something like this. Yes. Small print, no pictures, and you know, several hundred pages. But kids like that, the graphic style now. Um, I've written five book, five books for little people, some of them in rhyming couplets, and four collections of um, poems. So I'll read some of those to you. But I think we'll go with this one now. Dad and the Rat. <laughs> Once again, the humour is important, I think. We shifted into our new place, a bigger house with lots of space, a pretty garden and swimming pool across the road from my new school. The house mum said was so inviting. Moving in was very exciting. Tomorrow morning we'd get cracking and lend a hand with the unpacking. That night I slept in my new room. I thought as quiet as a tomb, but even though I was sleepy, sounds around were surely creepy. I couldn't sleep, I tossed and turned, noises above, my mind churned. What was that banging and tapping? What was that clanging and rapping? In the morning, eyes tired and sore, I told Dad about the night before. Said Dad, I know that exact feeling. We've got rats up in the ceiling. I'll run down to the hardware shop. We'll give that pesky rat the chop. Dad (sighs) went back real super quick with poison pellets to do the trick. (laughs) Up the manhole with his bait, he laid it down. Now just wait. But before his feet could hit the floor, the bait came flying through the door. Stuck to it was a note. Don't try to shove this down my throat. (laughs) I was here first, this is my space. Leave me alone, get out of my face. 
Right, said Dad. That's that. We'll just have to get a cat. Down we drove to the SPCA. A cat to get, the rat to slay. We don't want a cat soft and flabby. We want a cat mean and crabby. We'll deal to that rat, don't you worry. We grabbed the beast and left in a hurry. <laughs> Dad, <coughs> Dad poked the beast into the rafters. Go get him, boy, he said with laughter. All at once, a hullabaloo, and through the manhole, the poor cat flew. It soared alarmed across the room and hightailed it off into the gloom. We never saw that cat again. Its frightened face, fairly plain. No! <gasps> no! Right, said Dad, I'll not be beaten. I'll turn that rat into chocolate weeping. Back to the SPCA we raced. The surprise assistant now we faced. It's a dog I'd like, nasty and hairy. That's really one that's really big and scary. We've got one here, the assistant said. If you mess with this, it'll rip off your head. Dad smiled to himself as we drove back with a hairy monster primed for attack. That rat won't know what's coming. When he sees this dog, he'll be running. We got Brutus up into the attic and then there was a humongous racket, growling and yelping and squealing. Then Brutus crashed through the ceiling. The instant his paws hit the floor, he vaulted out through the door and raced rapidly down the drive, thankful just to be alive. Right, said Dad, I'm agitated. That rat's got to be exterminated. Now I'm phoning pest control. Rat destruction is my goal. He called the number, gave the address, then detected some distress. I'm sorry, but we've been there before. We're not coming back to your front door. Now dad was angry and about to burst. When the rat shouted, I was here first. We can make a deal. I don't want to fight. I'll stop my scratching in the night. I'm sick of eating these pink bats. They're not very good for gourmet rats. Each day, give me a meal to chew and never again will I bother you. I'll have an Apple Mac and Sky TV and you can sleep each night peacefully. Is it a deal? It's not much stuff. If you don't agree, I can play real rough. Oh. <laughs> I'll chew through your pipes and cause a leak. You'll need the plumber out each week. I'll chew your wires and your lights will go. Don't mess with me. I'm a real pro. Dad screwed up his face and whispered to me, I guess for now we'll have to agree. We'll go with this. It'll buy more time. But I'll get that rat, that ball of slime. So the deal was made and the rat was fed and I slept soundly in my bed. Dad sat up late and schemed away on rat removing plans each day. Then surprisingly, one balmy evening, I met the rat. He said he was leaving, a bag in his paw and wearing a suit. Although a rat, he looked quite cute. I'm sorry I'm off, I was getting to like you. By the way, how does my new suit strike you? Actually, I'm feeling a wee bit nervous. I met a girl on an online dating service. And then he was gone. We never saw him again. Thank goodness, said Dad, that rat was a pain. And lying in bed in the late hour, I wonder where that rat is now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well done. Yeah, that's... Yeah. See, I, I'm... Uh, 
in my middle age, I suppose I am, but I can really I can really in tune with that story and it's aimed at younger children, but I can really relate to it too. I'm excited and saddened by this, you know, different moods come up as the story unfolds. Yep. <laughs> and it's got the it's got the kiwi uh kiwi flavor as well, you know, lots of the pink bads and lots of little references there, you know, that yep. really place that story that's definitely a kiwi story which is yeah i i really love that as well yeah i had a bit of pushback from some teachers who said oh kids shouldn't have this bit about uh online dating oh oh um, that is so one of the teachers said uh oh i really love that story until i got to the end why did you put that in but oh i see yeah, yeah. i suppose yeah, I suppose. I don't know. They, I'm sure they know about that. Children. Yeah, yeah, that's they, right. It's, it's they real are, world. They, yeah, and it's like if you try to keep them sheltered or, or, or pretend they don't know these things, it's just you know, you're dishonoring them. You know, you're not giving them the dignity of. <laughs> you know, they know these things. You know, you can't treat children like pretend that they don't know that. Yeah. But I can understand where, where the teachers, you know, will, will try yeah. to... For younger kids, that's probably yeah. not good. For the yeah. older ones. So what what age did you target um, with that story? You know, what, what age group? Well, probably middle primary school, say 9, 10, or even 12. Okay. That, yeah. That sort of area, middle school, intermediate. But, you know, when you write something, you can't please everybody. <laughs> No, that's right. That's right. And I think you kept it safe because you said a dating site. So I suppose these days, probably the teachers, the, the problems in the teachers' minds, you know, because they're probably associating to some not so friendly dating sites. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Of the, because in the olden days, if you think like in the 90s or, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, dating sites were a lot more innocent than the ones these days. Yeah. People actually were um, just happy to talk with the novelty of being yeah. able to communicate with people online. And it was purely about getting to know people through writing and sharing their experience. So it was a lot more innocent. Yeah. So yeah. just out of interest, what um what age are you when like my mum used to read me stories when I was young and then I graduated to reading myself. What sort of age group would that be before you read for you independently? When I read independently? Yeah, well, just to anyone, anyone. Um, there comes an age where you start reading yourself rather than yeah. having stories read to you. I was just wondering if you knew what sort of age group that was. Uh, um, yeah, once again, probably any, any, any age over eight, I would think. Occasionally, there are some some words in these stories that might be a little bit advanced for that level. But when you read, you you're always meeting new words, so it's a learning experience. I think. You know, you Do don't you use have... a dictionary at all? I use a thesaurus. Yes. Um, now, is it Roger's or Roger's thesaurus? Uh, I can't remember. Roger's. I think it's Roger's. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. We might take another break now. We'll listen okay. to some more music. Camilla, is it Liam Finn? Yes, we're going to go with Liam Finn. 
And the song is the one that you liked as well, Alan. It's Gather to the Chapel. Uh, Liam was born in 1983. And when he was 14, he played guitar and drums in his father's Neil Finn's first solo gig. So they're all very talented musicians, the family. Oh, uh, yeah, the Finns. Take it away. Ooh. on Rome for the second week of September 2021. Hope you're warmer now. We don't know because this is pre-recorded, but hopefully in a few weeks when this comes on air, it'll be a bit warmer. Anyway, back to Peter. Peter, what yes, was so it like yeah. writing when others of your friends didn't do much writing? Did you feel like you were original or on your own? Uh, yeah, I guess writing's a sort of solitary thing, isn't it? So it, it doesn't bother me, but uh, um, I, I share. I've got friends that uh, enjoy the, the writing yes. I do. And oh, they would. The other day I had a friend around. Uh, we have a little coffee group 
four lads go out for a coffee every second Wednesday. And uh, he um, found out that I, well, I may, may have mentioned that I did, did some writing. He phoned me and said, can I come around and see you? And he said, I've got some poems I'd like to, you to cast your eye over. So that's quite good, you know, that, that people want to share. And I think there's a number of people who privately write their, their ideas down. So that was good. Well, yeah. shall I read you Grandma and the Lime Scooter? That'd be great. Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay. So this is, this is a shorter one and it comes from Rollicking Rhymes. We picked up Grandma from the bus. She'd come to spend the week with us. She liked the busyness of the city. She said the parks and gardens were pretty. She said the country could be boring, but in the city you could go exploring. The next day we took her into town. A lime scooter nearly knocked her down. Hey, she said, that looks fun. I think I'd like to ride on one. But grandma, you're almost 84 and you've never ridden one before. I've done things you'll never know. Let's find a scooter and have a go. We found some scooters pretty soon and grandma took off like a hoon. Down the footpath, she verily raced, where people scattered in panic and haste. Some leapt to the left, some leapt to the right, their faces struck with fear and fright. Little old ladies were barely missed, and little old men shook their fists. Little kiddies started to cry as grandma went hurtling by. Then a policeman came around the corner. Stop, grandma, you're out of order. But speed had surely gone to a head. She went on like the clappers instead. She was infatuated with her rapidity. She didn't realize her own stupidity. I was right behind her all the way. Sorry, sorry was all I could say. I had no time to stop and explain that my 84-year-old grandma was clearly insane. But then right through a junction she zoomed where misfortune and ruin loomed. On the pavement, men were working, digging holes with jackhammers kicking. She spotted them far too late to avoid such a calamitous fate. Her wheel hit the edge of a hole. She soared through the air, bless her soul. Oh, no. I expected broken bones and blood as she extracted herself from the mud. <laughs> but she brushed off the grass and the dirt and straightened her jacket and skirt. This is silly, this lime scooter riding. I much prefer that paragliding. <laughs> so you, you, you place us not only in New Zealand, but also in New Zealand now, you know, like because lime scooters, when did they come? Like, did they be popular around 2008? Yeah, something like that. 2018, sorry. 2018, 19, around there. Yeah. So how long ago did you write that one? How did I write it? Did yes. you say? When? How long ago? Oh, how long ago? Yeah, um, well, not, yeah probably. What's this published? Oh, this one's published this year, but I probably wrote it about two years ago. Okay. Yeah. So and how do we get hold of your books? How do we get hold of them? Listeners? Uh, from me directly. I, I don't have a website, but I have a Facebook page. And on the Facebook page, there's uh, there's a synopsis of each of the books, a price list, uh, and some pictures and, and so forth, and my contact details. Have so, you presented them to uh, a bookstore? 
Uh, I have one in Timaru, which is a, a friend called Kit Stuff. They sell my books. Uh, otherwise, they're in the libraries. Christchurch Library has them, for instance. Um, so if you want to buy, buy them, then contact me directly is probably the best thing. What's your Facebook page title? It's just under my name, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was going to say before you, uh, when you were talking about your experience with your friend sharing poetry with you, get him to come to our show. If he wants. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's quite ready for that yet. It's just building up oh. confidence and, uh, well, but. You know, yeah. we're, we're known for making people comfortable and uh, it's quite a safe and friendly environment. So, you know. Yeah, he, it's very relaxing, yeah. Yeah, if you put it on a paper, if he, I think if he felt like sharing that with someone, he's ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that he did come around, but he was a bit nervous and he, he wasn't sure if what he had written was sort of, it was quite personal, whether yes. he wanted to share it. But anyway, he did and uh, yeah. he asked for a few pointers and so on. So, yeah. that's so how do you keep your motivation up? How do you keep your motivation up in writing? Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think part of it is um, one of my goals is to, to help kids enjoy reading through humour, uh, especially boys. So that, that is a motivating factor. But motivation also comes from other people saying, well, that, that was good or I enjoyed that. And then I get these ideas attacking me all the time. So I have to go and write them down. <laughs> so, yeah. We I enjoy I enjoy playing with words and it, it's a fun thing to do and I quite enjoy sharing it with with kids and getting the feedback when you get good feedback then that spurs you on again. We had a guest on our show Kelly and she described this process of you know the, the poem hunting her the idea hunting her as being arrested by a poem which you know <laughs> to be common to, to many writers you know we get some writers are more disciplined. They have the, their little rituals. They sit down and write. But we found that a lot of people get this, you know, this trigger points that appear in the middle of the night or. Yeah, that'd be me, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, tend to, I tend to write a lot um, at once and then have breaks rather than sitting down every day and, and writing. Once I get the idea, then I go for it, and uh, but I may not do it uh, the next month. So it, it's, yeah, I get some writers, they're up at six in the morning, they do two hours writing, then they go for a walk, and then they come back to it. Yeah, I'm not like that. It's, it's more or less, I've got this idea, I've got to get it out there and work on it and work on it and work on it till it's finished. Are you known in the North Island as well as the South Island? Yes, and... and in some places that I've visited, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are books in the Whangarei Library, the uh, Masterton Library and, and so forth, and, and various schools around here. That's wonderful. Wow. Wow. And um, I forgot what I was going to ask. Yeah, I saw when you laughed there, Alice, <laughs> when he mentioned about the six in the morning, do it regularly, and you were like, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I I wouldn't know how to work like that. You know? 
I think you have to be arrested. I'm more the arrested by a phone person as well. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Have you ever done a writing course or? Yes, yes, with, I did one with Owen Marshall once. Oh, um, right. That, that was quite good. In Dunedin, is it? No, it was in Timaru, actually. Timaru, yeah. yeah. It was just a, a day's course at the, through the Polytech. Wow. Yeah, that, that was good. It, um, we, yeah, we had to do a lot of sort of on-the-spot writing, you know, given an idea, sit down, go for it, and then share. But yeah, he, and he was very good. I enjoyed the course. Wow. And just, just one final question, like in your longer blocks of writing, say when you sit down and you say that you have to go and write, how long are those blocks? You know, how long will it take for you? Uh, it's a difficult question to answer because um, sometimes it's all involving, you know, it might take a long time and other times I can put a poem out uh, in a day. Yeah. Or an hour. So that, that's uh, at, at the moment, I've got three writing projects on. Um, mm -hmm. I've got a collection of short stories for teenagers, mm -hmm. uh, and I've done about 12. And that some of them are humorous. I have um, one that the working title is um, Making Fun of English, because I found when I was working with ESOL students in New Zealand, that they didn't really understand the questions in their exams. For example, give three instances of alliteration in uh, the poet's uh, poem. They didn't really know. So I'm trying to do in a humorous way, uh, taking the, the language apart and putting it in a funny sort of a way so that kids will remember what alliteration is or irony. Or wow. So that's a sort of long-term project. Uh, at the moment, I'm writing Tales Out of School, which is anecdotes from my teaching career, mostly humorous. So yeah, that's a hard question to answer. How long does it take? No, I, I actually, sorry, I probably didn't express myself properly. What I meant was like, uh, what's the maximum amount of, amount of time that you can say, okay, I'm going to work on this for three hours or four hours and that's it, you know, like the block of time. But yeah. it's hard to answer as well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, being retired, I have I have more time now. But there okay. are other things to do as well. You've got to get out yeah. and do other <laughs> exercise, mow the lawns and so on. So, yeah, I, I, once again, I tend to, say to myself, right, I'm going to go as far as this, oh, okay. how long it takes. So it's about the content rather than the time. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, that's Is good. there anybody else in your family, extended family that writes? Uh, ancestors, grandparents, aunties? Uh, I had an auntie, my dad's sister, who, who did, but it was mainly family history type stuff. Yes. Uh, stories from the, the the families in their early days, you know, that, that type of thing, rather yeah. than published work. Is it self-published or is it published by a publisher? My ones? Your, your works, yeah. Uh, one's published by Austin Macaulay, this one called Mrs. McQueen and the Wellington Wind. That's published in London. 
But the oh. others are se the others are self-published. Yes. It's it's as you probably know, it's quite difficult to get work published. Yes. Many publishers don't want unsolicited uh, material coming to them, and, and they refer you or win this competition, and then we'll consider looking at your work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I prefer the writing and getting it out there rather than sending off stuff for, and then getting a reject and sending it off again and so on. Actually, there's a very, there's a very interesting uh, site to Google about uh, what are now bestsellers that have been rejected, um, like Gone with the Wind, second most popular book after the Bible in America. It's rejected about 30 times. Whoa. By publishers and uh, uh, Dr. Seuss, that was talked about as being total rubbish, uh, rejected. Harry Potter, that was that was rejected. So, if you Google that, uh, Life of Pi is another one. There's a lot of bestsellers. Some of them, you know, uh, translated into many languages and million selling copies. And it's a very interesting site to go to. And if if you Google that and say, right, wow. That bestseller that sold millions of copies that was rejected twenty or thirty times. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. So yeah, getting them getting them out there is is more important to me. But yeah, every now and then I send stuff off to a to a publisher. Yes. And did you ever brush shoulders with Margaret May? No. <laughs> no, a, a few people uh, have, but not her. No. Yeah. Well, I've been to a playground in Christchurch. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. It's a real privilege for us to listen to your story and uh, your writing. So, Peter, how do you see the future of your writing? How do I see the future? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep plodding on with what I'm doing. I'm tending to move away from the, the poems for kids into other stuff like the short stories. I've actually started a novel, but um, it's, I've got too many things on with the writing, so that's on the back boiler at the moment. I used to read Willard Price when I was young, Adventures yeah. of, Amazon Adventure, Elephant Adventure, Volcano Adventure. Oh, right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're wonderful books. Yeah, yeah. So any message for budding writers as to how they can get started and what they should be concentrating on in their work? Yeah, I think uh, just get the ideas down. Don't don't get uh, trapped with worrying about uh, the the editing or anything like that. Uh, just concentrate on getting the idea down and uh, work on uh, the crafting side of it. And you you'll get better as you go. The thing is to get started. I think um, the more you write, the the better you become and Reading, reading widely, widely for for kids is important because that yeah. exposes them to more words, more ideas, more genre, and so on. And having the courage to share your works as well with other people, friends yes, and family, yeah. and it's good to get the feedback. Um, yeah, but yes, yeah, so I'd say just just go for it if you if you have a bent for it, if you want to get something down, now's the time to do it. And don't don't worry about all the technical parts until later. It sounds to me like you haven't procrastinated much. You've got stuck into it and just keep going under your own motivation. Yes, yeah, I guess that's that's so. Yeah, yeah. 
Camilla, have you got anything to finish the show with? Yeah, I was just just a question regarding like your your. So you had a lot of experience writing for children, and when you said that you were writing the novel, was that because you had you found the need to get into something more personal to give a like to share something more personal with the world? Uh, I think yeah, writing the novel I think is is sort of for my own benefit, partly autobiographical, but uh, yeah. I haven't really, uh, I think I've done about five five chapters and I've developed a plan for it and so on, but uh, the other things seem to have taken priority at the moment. But yeah, I guess it's um, something different. It's much more of a challenge to do something like that than, than write a poem. It's a Why? big job. Yeah. Why is it so challenging? Why is it a challenge? Mm -hmm. uh, well, you have you have to plan it so that everything is interlinked, um, and that that is and to yeah. make it authentic. And a lot of research is involved too. Oh um, uh, yeah, it, it is. It is definitely more of a challenge. Doesn't flow quite as easily. It's been a lot of fun to spend time with you, Peter, and your writing. It's been Absolutely. awesome. I've laughed quite a bit and gotten in touch with my inner child, so it's great. Yes, yeah, no, thank you. And hopefully we'll be able to have you in studio sometime in the near future. Sure. Yeah, I, I would like to do that. I think I've only only read three, haven't I? Yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah so there's plenty more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. no, that was good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Thank and, you so uh, much for, for being very, very relaxed and easy, easy to do. Yes. Well, Are we going to have some music before the show ends, or? Yes, I think we have another song, and it's by the by Liam Finn's band. And the reason why I chose Liam Finn is because it's his birthday now in September. So the song is "My Army of Birds and Ghosts" by Bachchadupa, which was his band. Take it away. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you One, next month. Two, three. See Take you. Take it away. Stop.